Celebration Church. Uh, glad to be here together and glad to be in this third week of our series, uh, third week of our series, Anthems. REM released the song Everybody Hurts as a single in April of 1993. And I think our initial response is, it's such a sad song, but this song was not written to make you depressed, but it was written to offer hope to people who were depressed, people who were, uh, who were considering suicide. And it was a message that they deliberately wrote to tell teenagers specifically, um, don't, don't end your life, but, but hold on. Uh, everybody around you is, is hurting at some point in their life, and, and they've made it through, and you can make it through as well. That message, um, if you check, kind of, if you check suicide stats, it potentially did make an impact. As you could see, from 1990 to 1995, the suicide rate did drop uh, nationally. But the since then, uh, the suicide rate was 12.5% in 1990. It was 14.8% in 2020. So it has increased. In, and uh, that's a significant, significant change. Um, probably the most startling of these stats is the, uh, the suicide rate in children under 10 years old. Um, depression, the number of, of incidents of depression worldwide has increased by 50% since 1990. So it's a lot going on. There's a lot happening in people's lives, but whatever it is that we're pursuing or that the world is pursuing, it's not helping. In fact, things are getting worse. I had a teenager at, at we know we were, uh, we had teenagers at summer camp uh, last week, kids camp the week before, and uh, it was kind of a last minute add-on to teen camp because our friends, Pastor Travis, had to go to Georgia, and he runs those camps. I went... I went to go help, and the last day of camp, a teenager from another church um, asked to talk with me with her group leader, and she asked this question, how do I stop being sad? And this is someone who's grown up in church and knew all the church answers, but honestly was not living the church answers, because I think we... I think we can forget that when you are kind of in that pit of despair, there's not a magic pill or magic formula. It's just being, just the daily decisions to follow God. She is not unlike some of you. Um, as a pastor, I've counseled people in their 70s who are dealing with depression. We've counseled very young children who are dealing with sadness and despair. And, and it's true, and something we want to never forget is that we're not alone, that there are other people who are living through what we're living through. There are other people who have lived through what we're living through. And their testimony should be something that encourages us. One of my friends, Ricky, he had asked other people on Facebook about the pain they endured. He had done it for a series of teachings he was doing, and, and he shared his list with me, and I want to share it with you. So these were people that, that he knew, and I just know Ricky. 
But um, his friend Jason said that after his father was murdered in his own driveway, and after losing his mom to cancer, he said, I was woefully unprepared to be an orphan with my parents dead, even at the age of 38. You don't realize God is all you need until God is all you have. His friend Lisa's fiance was killed by a drunk driver six weeks before her wedding, and she said, God will use your hard times for the rest of your life to help others walk through their pain. His friend Bruce lost two sisters who were in their 20s, one through a car accident and the other through a murder. And he said, the promise of eternal life will outlast all your pain and suffering. And his cousin, Letha, lost her leg in a boating accident. And she said, it's the darkest before the dawn. Expect and accept the blessings you'll receive through trials. I'm far stronger than I ever thought possible. I think we, you know, one thing that helps us to put in perspective is the pain that we're experiencing. Other people have walked through far greater pain and they've maintained their relationship with God through it. God has sustained them. God has carried them through. This morning, if you'll open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 42, and uh, the book of Psalms is a book of songs. So in this series, we take a song from culture and a song from the Bible, and we either compare the two or contrast the two, or show how the thought of one can be completed through the thought of Scripture. And in this chapter, or in this song that we're going to go through together, it is a, the songwriter, he is responding to the discouragement and the despair and the turmoil that have, that have come into his life. For him, it's come through kind of the taunts of his enemies. Um, if you're a teenager, you can look at this, is a, you know, that he's being bullied. Um, if you're... Um, if you're an adult, that there's people harassing you in the workplace, and it seems like there's no escape, and there's no end to it, and, um, and, and you're not sure how to move on. He lists in this six different ways that he's dealing with the, uh, with the despair and the discouragement in his life, and I want us to look at these three things, and probably... I'm gonna take this message and forward it to that teenager from that other church for it to be an encouragement to her. Have you got your Bibles open to Psalm 42? Um, what we'll do is we'll go through a few verses of the song and then we'll talk about it. So I wanna read verses one through three to you. It says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. When I thirst for God, the living God, I thirst for God, the living God, when can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? Now, the first thing that we see the songwriter do in the midst of of his torment and his discouragement and his despair is the first thing we see is that his desire is for more of God. And I think this is something that, is, that can be uh, 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 maybe surprising to us. It's not the initial thing we react. He, he talks about 
thirsting for God like a deer pants for streams of water. Uh, many of you have met my, uh, met my dog, Tootie. She turned 13, 13 years old last month. We've had her for a long time. She's seen, seen me through many positions here at this church. And 13 years ago, when she was a, a young puppy, we, I was the pastor of our teen ministry here, student pastor, and I brought her as an illustration for a sermon on this topic, and the idea was, as a pit bull panteth for puppy chow, so my soul longs after you. Most city kids have never seen a deer thirsty for water, but that night, we brought our, we brought Tootie, who was much better looking at that point of her life. <laughs> we had her, Michelle had her on, on one side of the stage, and, and I had an empty bowl of food, and placed it on the stage and began to talk about how the songwriter is saying, God, I want you, I desire you, I need you. Um, I've got this insatiable um, craving that can only be touched by you. And we poured out the puppy food and Michelle let the dog go and it came and it was just, I mean, the food is flying everywhere as a dog ate. You would think that we hadn't fed her for days, but you know, it was just part of her regular feeding routine. It was a regularly scheduled meal, and that's how much she wanted to eat. And it was a visual to them, and, and you, if you can imagine the visual for you, man, God, that's how much I want you. That's how much I need you, God. This is, uh, this is, Something that I think is surprising because his greatest want and his greatest need was not relief from his circumstances. That's not the greatest desire of his heart. Greatest desire of his heart is not God make all the pain go away, God make everything better, but his greatest desire is God, I want more of you. He, it's not escape from his enemies, it's to be with God. Kind of here's the big thing. If we're in despair, we're in depression, we're in torment, if we're next to Jesus during that, we can be confident we'll make it through. But if all of your circumstances are changed, but you are not next to God, you are no better off. The songwriter knew that. Verse number four, he continues to sing, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving great thanks amidst, amid the sound of a great celebration. Second thing the songwriter is doing here is he's remembering the past. He, in a little bit, you know, he, it can seem like he's just being nostalgic or sentimental or wishing for it to be the way it used to be. But one thing that we do when we remember the past is we remember what God did. And if God did it once, he can do it again. One thing that I am continually doing in my life, and it's why I can 
put these things in my sermon so often is I, rem I remember back to when I was 14 years old and I experienced the presence of God for the first time in my life. If there's ever a moment where I feel that God is not with me, I feel like I'm, I'm gonna be overtaken, I remember back, God, you love me. God, you changed my life. And for me as a 14-year-old, definitely I was experiencing, uh, I was at the beginning of experiencing probably some pretty deep depression. And uh, it was in that moment in a church service at the front of the service when all of that was lifted off me. And if ever I feel like darkness starts to creep in, I remember back to that moment. God, you are greater than it all. He, in verse number four, what he's doing is he's remembering previous experiences of worshiping and previous experiences of spending time with God. These times where we worship together each week, they are important. They build our faith. They build a catalog of memories for us to remember God is faithful, God is with me, God is active, God cares for me, he's concerned for me, he, his presence is what I need and what I long for and what I want. When these moments we have together at, you just think about our, the last worship night we had together how powerful that was, how traumatic that was, how special that was. And, it, and what happens is that in the, in the months between worship nights, when something comes and, and distracts us or discourages us, we can remember that Sunday night and the word God gave us and when he, and when he talked to us and said, surrender everything. And we can, we can sit and say, yeah, God, I surrender my problems to you. I surrender my enemies to you. I surrender my heart to you. Verse number five, he says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from the distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan from the land of Mount Mazar. Third thing that the songwriter does that we should do is that he preaches to himself. He preaches God's word to himself. He's my savior. He's my God. He's reminding himself what God's word is. He's reminding himself who God is. And this is part of the outflow of meditation that we talked about last week. That when I begin to meditate on scripture and I begin to recite scripture and I begin to think about scripture, I then begin to preach scripture to myself and even preach scripture to my problems. I am deliberately preaching to myself about what I'm gonna think and how I'm gonna respond and who my God is. There's an author and a pastor named Lloyd-Jones, and he's got a book called Spiritual Depression, and he says this in that book, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact, pay attention to this, due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? 
I'm gonna go through that again. Do you realize that most of your unhappiness in your life is due to the fact that you keep listening to yourself instead of preaching to yourself or instead of talking to yourself? Our mind is going crazy. Our mind is telling us how we can't and how we mustn't and how we won't and how God won't and how God doesn't care. We've got to begin to preach to ourselves, to talk to ourselves, and we tell our mind to get in line with God's word and we tell our soul and our feelings to get in line with God's word. That doesn't mean that our feelings don't go away But what it does mean is that we're going to tell our feelings what the truth is. There's another part in scripture that kind of comes in line with this. It says, take every thought captive. Our thinking and the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about our problems, it leads us. It's deliberately trying to lead us down a wrong path, but we must Take those thoughts captive, and then as they're there as a captive audience, put your finger up and begin to preach the Bible to those thoughts. You're not unworthy. You're not a mistake. You are not a bad Christian. God's word says. God's word says. On this side of 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 eternity on this side of, of our life. We know why we have hope because of Jesus, because of his death on the cross, because of the forgiveness he provided for us, and because of his victory over death. That's why I can preach to myself. We must preach the good news of Jesus to our self. So, I don't know what it'll look like for you, but for me, I can be like, Nate, listen, why are you so afraid? It was God who saved you. It was God who healed you. It was God who called you. He's got you. He's going to care for you. His word said he's a, he's a strong tower and, you, and he'll protect you. His word says that he will cover you. Uh, he will take you under his wing and protect you. His word says, and I've got to preach to myself in these situations. If he gave Jesus for you, Nate, will he not do this for you as well? And then ultimately, if it gets too painful and too unbearable, I remember to live as Christ, to die as gain. I may be in pain right now, but I'm going to continue living because if I'm living, I can follow Christ and I can be with him. And then if when the time comes for him to receive me into eternity, well, man, I'm going to be with Jesus there too. There's not a way that I can lose if I'm following and I'm with Jesus. Preach the gospel to yourself. Verse number seven, I hear The tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. He does does two different things here in verse number eight. But the first one is this. He speaks God's love. Even in his discouragement, even when he's losing, even when things are bad, he doesn't, he doesn't begin to question, God, do you love me anymore? But he speaks about God's love. 
Each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. I think unfailing is a good thing to remember there. Unfailing love. In verses 5 and in verses 11, he says the same thing. He says, uh, he says, he recalls God, my salvation and my God. God is my salvation and he's my God. Even though it looks like he's forgotten, he never stops believing in God's love for him. In this, when he's talking about the waves crashing over him, just a nonstop. I don't know if you've ever fallen down at the beach and the waves just, you just keep knocking you over, you can't get back up. Um, I get good pictures of that happening to my grandfather when I was a kid. Um, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure this is a true story. I wish I, I've thought of this before now. That um, at Hampton Beach one year when I was like a little, little kid, two, three years old, I got caught in the wave and my grandfather tried to rescue me and he got caught in the wave and he lost his bathing suit at Hampton Beach in the, in the midst of that wave throwing him all over the beach. So he would not be happy if I told you that, but, but uh, yeah, he was a good man, a lot of fun. <laughs> he... Anyway, he, he, when the waves are crashing over you and it seems like you can't escape, he never loses his grip on God. And I think more importantly, God never loses his grip on him. No, the waves are, the waves are crashing, but you've got me, God. I'm not going to drown in this. I'm not going to be overtaken by this. You will not lose your bathing suit over this, God. You are greater. You are greater than the waves. Verse number, uh, the fifth thing that the songwriter does, which makes sense for a songwriter, but he sings. Verse number, also in verse number eight, he, he, sings, uh, he sings to the Lord every single night. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to put my head on my pillow. And I'm going to fall asleep worshiping him. Now, um, he's a songwriter makes sense. You not, may not be a songwriter, but you can worship him every night. Every night, you lay your heads on this pillow. And, uh, probably th- uh, the one season of my life I remember the most is uh, I was 21 years old, and I lived in Texas and had to move back to New Hampshire, and I didn't know what was going to happen. It was like two months between when I knew I had to move and when I was going to move, and just for the first time in my life, I was feeling anxiety, thinking, trying to process what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And I began to stay up later every night. And eventually, um, I, was, I couldn't sleep, so I'd stay up all night, and then I'd end up sleeping all day, which is not healthy, all right? If you're, if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, you need to set your alarm clock and go to bed at a regular time and wake up at a regular time. That rhythm of going to bed at nighttime and being awake during the daytime is going to help you get healthy. So anyway, I recognize that something's got to change. I've got, this pattern is, is not good. And each night, as I would lay in bed awake, I'd just begin to say over and over again, God, you're going to take care of me. 
You're going to take care of me. I trust you, God. You're going to take care of me. It wasn't singing, but it was worship. It was worship. Just saying, God, you're on the throne. You're God. You're my God. You're my Savior. He never stops that singing. He, now, as we read the song, we don't want to forget the song is probably in the same mood as everybody hurts. It's not a jubilant song. This is not, um, don't worry, be happy. This is not, this is not what's going on here. They're like, hey, you're really sad. You're really depressed, but I've got news for you. All right. That's not what's happening here. This is, this is a song of, of, of despair, but in the midst of that despair, there's hope. So he's not jubilant or fake smiling here, but in the midst of all of this, he is hopeful. In the midst of his darkness, he is hopeful. He is confident in who his God is. And even in his distress, he sings. And I think about a New Testament scenario, which I mentioned at teen camp, but I, I think about this New Testament scenario that, that happened, and I want us to place ourselves in these shoes because this is something that you may experience in your life, in your lifetime. It's in Acts chapter 16, and it's verses 22 through 25. Paul and Silas have been preaching Jesus to people, sharing Jesus with people, and in verse number 22, it says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So stop right there. Not a good day. Not good. You want to feel despair? Put yourself in their shoes. Humiliated, abused, beaten, stuck in, in, in a prison that's not like our prisons. And then the response, verse number 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Their response to their despair, their response to their enemies, their response to God who called them to preach, and because they were obedient to God, they ended up in this situation. Their response was to sing. Verse number nine of Psalm 42, the songwriter says, Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Sixth thing that he does here in this scripture is he talks to God. He asks God, why, why'd you, why have you forgotten me? He knows God hasn't forgotten him, but it sure does feel like he's forgotten him. And I think we've been there. I know in my family with Michelle and I, there's times we've been there. And, we, and we, we kind of talk with each other, man, where is God? It feels like he's left us out to try. And then we preach to ourselves and preach to each other. But he always comes through. Remember this time? 
when we were first married, remember this time? Remember this time? He always comes through. God did not forget him. God has not forgotten you. And I think the one thing in this prayer as he's talking to God, God isn't angry about this. God's not angry that he, that he asked him these questions. And I think this is key too. The songwriter isn't angry at God. He's not mad at God that he's gone through these circumstances. He's not mad at God that God's put him in these circumstances. Neither were Paul and Silas. And we can question and ask questions of God. But when we begin to become angry at God, the enemy has now got a real good opportunity to mess us up good. The last thing, the seventh thing that he does here in verse number 11, kind of the fruition of everything that he's done, is asking himself, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? All of a sudden now, the problems he's got with all his enemies, the problems he has in his life, because he's gone through and done all these things, they're put in perspective. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Listen, everybody hurts. But those who know Jesus, we don't hurt the way everybody else does. Because we do have a hope. There's a life after this one where there'll be no tears, there'll be no bullies, there'll be no, there'll be no bosses, or at least not ones like the ones you've had to work for. When we look at our problems, whatever they are, the Christian, the follower of Jesus is able to say, okay, this is, temp this is temporary. This grieving is temporary. This health crisis is temporary. This trauma is temporary. This, uh, you know, these enemies are temporary. So why am I so discouraged? Why am I letting it defeat me? I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm gonna put my hope in God. He's my God. He's my salvation. I'm gonna put my hope in Him. If you close your eyes, I'm gonna take an opportunity to pray for you. And I know we're coming from all kinds of different places and I'm not making light of what you've gone through, not at all. What I'm doing is reminding you of how great our God is. I'm reminding you of how much he loves you and cares for you. I'm reminding you to put your hope in him, your trust in him, cast your concerns on him, to be with him. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with an unconditional love. His love for you is, is so much greater than you probably realize. The pain that you're going through, I'm sorry that, you're, that this happened. I'm sorry that you're walking through that. I have to tell you, Jesus is going to walk through it with you. He's going to see you through to the other side as long as it takes. When you need to stop and rest because it hurts, he's not going to be frustrated. He's going to sit down with you. 
talk with you, minister to you. But he's gonna bring you through the other side of that. He's promised it. Stay close to him. Stay next to him. Stay dependent on him. And you'll, you'll get through. You'll get through. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for both these songs that we looked at today. We thank you that you used a band that didn't know you and follow you to help, to help a, a lot of people not to end their lives. And, and I've got to believe that as they chose to live another day, God, that many of those people eventually found you. Thank you for using that song to minister to other people, to give them enough hope until they met our hope, Jesus. Jesus, for those of us who are here, those of us who follow you, we just remember, we just remember that when, when life comes and enemy comes and problems come, we're gonna do these things. We're gonna, we're gonna want for more of you, not for less of our problems. We're gonna sing to you. We're gonna preach to ourselves. We're going to uh, declare your love. We're going to just continually um, uh, uh, be near you. And though our problems won't disappear immediately, our problems become, uh, become a peripheral part of our life because the main focus of our life is you, Jesus main focus of our life is you. I just pray for every person in here, those feeling despair, maybe those who have been considering uh, taking their life. I pray for those who just feel overwhelmed and unable to move forward. We'll focus our eyes on you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us well. Thank you for being with us. And and. To ourselves we preach right now you will trust in Jesus you will follow Jesus you will um, receive his love and his forgiveness and you will uh, you will make it Jesus thank you for your word that never fails thank you that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble we pray this all in your name Jesus Amen.